0: In Southeast Agnet Sag Ag in review for the week ending November 13th. Well, farm groups have been busy the past few days reviewing and responding to the text of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Associate Director of Legislative Affairs, Kent Backus, discusses what's in it for cattle producers. The most important thing we have
1: found is that in all of these countries within the Pacific Rim, we're going to have a massive decrease in tariffs on U.S. beef. In most countries, we're going to see full tariff elimination. And then our largest export market, Japan, we're going to see that tariff phase down to 9% over about 15 years. This is the greatest market access ever negotiated into the Japanese market. And that's very good considering last year we sold $1.6 billion worth of beef to Japanese consumers. In addition to the tariffs, uh, we also have a very strong uh, SPS chapter which will address a lot of the non-tariff trade barriers and take a lot of the politics out of trade. And that's really what TPP is all about is tearing down those barriers that prevent us from reaching
0: our consumers in the Pacific Rim. Bacchus said the next step is Congress has to approve the overall text of the agreement before it can begin. Once the president sends this
1: agreement to the Hill, it will be under a fast-track clock, so they'll have a limited time to consider that. It's still a lot of speculation as to when that's going to happen. Uh, We are hopeful that the president will sign the agreement in in the spring and send it to Capitol Hill and hopefully have this uh, put in place before he leaves office. The sad thing is, is that if this continues to be politicized and we continue to see uh, uh, the opponents of TPP are the only ones who are out there engaging on this, then it's going to make it even more difficult to compete and to have the TPP in place. And keep in mind, it's not just about the United States and our exports. This is about the U.S. global presence in the Pacific Rim. If the United States is not going to negotiate the terms of trade in the Pacific Rim, the Chinese will. And we will be forever behind a massive competitor, and that will make it very difficult for us and for future generations. So this is not about giving the president his trade agreement or anything like that. This is not about President Obama. This is about U.S. ranchers. This is about future generations and establishing a steady framework for us to trade in and compete in. It's about the U.S. setting those standards, not the Chinese.
0: Another well, news nationwide, the poultry industry is preparing for the potential return of avian influenza. And while avian influenza can have a large economic impact on commercial poultry and egg production, backyard poultry producers can also be affected. Brianna Bullard has more.
2: The U.S. Department of Agriculture has several recommendations on how you can prevent your backyard birds from getting sick and help stop the spread of avian influenza to other flocks. First is to keep your distance. Fence off areas where you house your poultry and don't allow game birds or waterfowl to come in contact with them. Keep your bird area clean by disinfecting daily and wash your hands before and after entering. Don't borrow equipment or poultry supplies from other owners, and if you must, disinfect them first. If some of your poultry have been to a fair or exhibition, keep them separated from the rest of your flock for at least two weeks. And if you bring home new birds, keep them separated for 30 days. Know the warning signs of avian influenza. Early detection is important to prevent the spread of disease to other birds. Lastly, report sick or dying birds. You can contact your local corporative extension agent, a local or state veterinarian, or the U.S. Department of Agriculture Veterinary Services Office. For Southeast AgNet, I'm Brianna Bullard.
0: In other news, cotton growers depend on others in the industry to sell the product they grow each year. And while there is competition, Kim Kitchings, vice president of corporate strategy for Cotton Incorporated, explains how they work to keep cotton garments competitive with other fibers.
2: We have a division of scientists literally at our laboratories in Cary, North Carolina, that have helped us develop technologies to make cotton competitive in the marketplace. And these technologies do things such as uh wick moisture and, and it's called trans dryer, wicking windows, and then we have something called storm denim that repels water when people are wearing them and we've worked with brands such as Eddie Bauer, the North Face, Under Armour, um, even Lily Pulitzer, Cabela's many hopefully the producers listening would know of um, to use these technologies and sometimes they call them what we've called them or other times they rename them and use their own names.
0: To learn more simply go to the Cotton Incorporated website that's cottoninc.com. Going from cotton to peanuts there's a group that represented the U.S. peanut industry recently as they made a trip to Japan. Tyron Spearman has the details.
3: The USA peanut industry has just returned a trade team from Japan John Paul Budarian from the Golden Peanut Company, Carl Zimmer of the Premium Peanut, Asim Kohana from Olam International, Miriam Crosby of the Peanut Institute, Don Kahler of the Georgia Peanut Commission, and Jim Groth, a consultant with the American Peanut Council, along with Stephanie Grunenfelder, all went to Japan for the week of November the 2nd through the 6th. The purpose of the trip was to meet with peanut importers in Japan and to confirm the U.S. peanuts' interest in the Japanese peanut market trip included a visit to the Embassy in Tokyo and a joint meeting with the Japan Peanut Importers Association and the Japan Peanut Manufacturers Association. Japanese importers presented information to the Council about the uh, market in Japan and the U.S. team presented information to the Japanese about the current peanut harvest in the U.S. Uh, exports to Japan increased 4% last year and they are working hard now to get the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement approved which will open the door for more peanut products moving into Japan. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet.
0: Kathy Isom tells us what a study is showing about eating more beef when you're older and overweight. Connie Bales, professor at Duke University School of Medicine, is leading the experimental obesity intervention with older adults who are frail, using protein to offset the challenge to muscle mass during weight loss.
1: What we found was that weight reduction was good for everybody in the study, but for those who had the beef twice a day and a total of three meals per day, 30 grams of protein, their increase in function at the end of the study was more than double that in the control group.
0: Dr. Bales explains more about eating right when it comes to the aging population.
1: We know that protein will build muscle, and we know that exercise will build muscle, and we know that if you put them together, you get an even better effect. Of course, there's a lot of uh, nutrients in in beef besides protein. Uh, We found... It was a really nice complement to uh, lower starch, lower carb fruits and vegetables in the diet. So it's helping to bring us away from this sense that we're getting too many refined carbohydrates and maybe even starch in our diet.
0: I'm Kathy Asim, Southeast AgNet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Ever Grinder talks about colony collapse disorder.
4: Colony collapse disorder. You know what that is. It continues to, to destroy our honeybees and threaten our future. You know, 30 years of research and we still don't know what's really behind that problem. Researchers are now fearful that as many as 60 factors are contributing to this lingering mystery. They're now looking at climate change. They've already studied pesticides, disease, and malnutrition. Some people still don't understand why we spent billions of dollars and got so little for our money. Neither do they understand that those tiny creatures are responsible for $15 billion worth of crops each year that we otherwise would not have. Seems to me this all began about the time the Varroa mite showed up in this country. And some believe that could still be a major cause for this problem. Well, be certain science has not discounted that theory either. And that's our review for today. Everett Griner Southeast Agnet.
0: Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website southeastagnet.com. Randall Weisman, Southeast Agnet.